0: reflect those of KECI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. Hey hey, you're listening to Get the Funk Out Show. I'm your host Janine and this morning I have special guest, actually my first guest of the year who's willing to make the drive in the rain. Not that it's raining that hard. It's Luke Micey, and for over 15 years, Luke has been operating Crossgrain, a business-minded design firm with a knack for generating revenue for clients. He's a sought-after speaker and has traveled the country, speaking on a wide range of topics, including creativity, branding, planning, and life balance. Luke has been described as overly passionate funny and engaging, and I've witnessed that, actually. He was a speaker at TEDx. He's an activator and strategic thinker. His mission is to spend his life helping people, and his juicy goal is to change the world. Some people say he talks too much, to which he replies. It's hard not to when you're this passionate about what you're doing. Please welcome Luke Myce. Hi, Luke.
1: Hello. Thanks are, for having me. How are you? I'm doing good.
0: You know, I first met you at TEDx, and it was uh, a great event. I had never been to one of these events. How did you hear about TEDx?
1: Um, I was familiar with the TED. I had been watching a lot of the talks online and kind of saw them split that off to local events, TEDx. So I'd seen around the country various TEDx um, popping up. I'd had a couple of uh, fellow speakers that I um, had shared stages with at events that I saw showing up at TEDx events. Nice. And uh, I actually got invited or, or introduced to TEDx Irvine through a friend, um, a young guy that I'm mentoring named Justin, and he was on kind of the organization board. He was doing some social media for them. Nice. And so I knew a few people in that were involved in the event, and uh, that's you- how I...
0: Excuse me. Had you done a lot of public speaking before?
1: Or? Um, only the last couple of years. That right. was the, that's was the been the one thing that was kind of nagging me mm-hmm. that I knew I should be doing but didn't necessarily know how. And I got an invitation. There's a big design conference. Um, there's a magazine called How uh, Design Magazine. So it's a, probably the largest design magazine in the country. And they do a big conference every year. Mm-hmm. And I had gotten invited to speak to the freelance group, so um, a few hundred okay. people, and uh, that was kind of my first big big speaking gig. And I, I had done some small things here in Orange County, but nothing, nothing of any size. But it was one of those things that I always knew that I wanted to do, but I didn't want to be the one that kind of went out and sought after speaking gigs. Right. Um, I don't... I didn't want to be the person that was on stage trying to sell something. Cause I you guess. didn't
0: love uh, public speaking.
1: I, I, I love public speaking, but I didn't love the the business of public speaking. I didn't I want to be on stage trying to promote a book or trying to sell myself. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for me, I feel like if I'm being asked to speak, it's because I have something important to say.
0: Right. Right.
1: And um, I, even to this day, I'm, very much that way when it comes to speaking that I don't I don't seek out a lot of speaking events I, I wait till I'm kind of invited and That's good I feel like when I'm invited that I'm I'm there for a reason to, to share things so That's great um, since then I've this is be the third year I'm going to Boston this year to speak at that conference um, went to a few conferences around different conferences around the country this year and spoke so
0: when is that one the
1: one in Boston uh, the one in Boston is in June
0: oh nice you don't so. have to go in the winter <laughs> no
1: no thankfully. This is as much winter as I want. to I grew to experience. up in Boston. Okay. Well, I lived
0: in Boston for ten years, and uh, it's uh, those winters are brutal. Yeah
1: I, yeah, I was born in Montana, and so oh, I okay. lived in the snow. And so you know, yeah. But we've been—I've been in California so long that I think I've grown soft. So,
0: <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I know it gets like forty out, and I'm like, oh, right. I'm my right. This is code. winter I'm what awake. we have today. <laughs> the, you
1: know, a little bit of rain yesterday. I'm like, oh, the seasons are here. I know. <laughs> I know.
0: Now your uh, TEDx talk. Did you that? That really. Really came from the heart. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I got from mm-hmm. that. Could you tell me a little bit about you know what you talked about? Because a lot of people aren't familiar with TEDx, and
1: um, you know, I I was I was really struggling with what I was going to share at TEDx uh, because I didn't I didn't necessarily want to talk about my background in design or my background um, as a marketing person, um, and so. I, it was really a struggle for quite a few weeks of trying to determine what the subject was. And I felt like I had this message inside of kind of making this transition in my life. And uh, a friend of mine actually sent me an email, and the only word in the email was transition. And um,
0: interesting, I, it was,
1: it was kind of, you know, and I had a bunch of other people send me different things that had heard me speak. And so as I began to kind of think about that word, it wasn't just that I'm in an immediate transition right now, which is possibly leaving a business and going to work for a nonprofit. But I really started looking at my life compared to that word and transitions have been happening for about four years. Mm -hmm. And so it really forced me to kind of go back and see the things that have got me to where I am right now, um, in this time of transition. And so, um, well, let me I,
0: ask you. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. How did you? What, give us your backstory. What were you doing before you're doing now?
1: Um, well, I've always been in design. This is what I've done pretty much my whole life. I grew up in a, um, a print and design company business with mm-hmm. my parents, and uh, worked for my dad at a very young age. And started Crossgrain actually when I was 18. Um, didn't go to college. Just started right into the business world. My dad and I started it together. He kind of moved on at one point, and um, I've been doing it ever since. It's all I've ever known. So I've only ever been self-employed. Um, and you know have some design ability and some artistic ability so I've kind of leveraged that as I got further in the business I realized that the things I really enjoyed were not just the design aspect but the why of design of why are we designing this for the client what is the reason behind it and that's where I kind of got pushed into this whole strategy um, Mm -hmm. which is what I do now so I I, even though I still design a little bit I still brand it all comes from this place of understanding the business understanding the purpose behind it Um, but i 've always felt like there 's something bigger and greater for me to be doing um, not you know it 's my day job it 's what I do to feed my family, but right. Uh, my thing has always been, how can I take those same abilities and strengths and maybe do some things for the world? And I'm driven by that from a really deep core place Mm -hmm. that I can't keep ignoring it. It's one of the reasons why speaking has become important to me because I can't keep ignoring it.
0: I was going to say, it sounded like it was nagging at you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, was, you know, I always say you should be doing the thing that nags you every time you get up in the morning. You know, when you wake up in the morning and that's that thing that you just cannot push away, you can't, ignore it anymore at some point you have to do something about that mm-hmm. you can't you know either it's going to lead you to go down the wrong path or it's going to lead you to finally say okay enough I'm willing to step into that right. and it's uncertain um, and so that kind of started the transition started for me about four years ago when I was in a, a business retreat with um, a handful of other creatives and I realized that I just wasn't driven by the things that they were driven by and I love them I love what they're about but for me it wasn't it just wasn't going to be fulfilling to build a design studio or mm-hmm. – and um, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. And since then, I've <laughs> felt like I've been in this transition of figuring things out. But it's all been, I think, it, taking me the direction that I'm going now. So,
0: Well, it's interesting. I actually had a similar thing happen. I was in training and development years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you're making great money and you're with the right people and you're working with big clients, Chase Manhattan Bank and all these. But you're saying, how come I'm so unhappy? Right. You know, right. why is this so unfulfilling? Cause, right. Because the money and all these people and and then the lingo was pretty much putting me to sleep. You mm-hmm. know, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, right. you know, and, and I kept thinking there's got to be something else, mm-hmm. you know.
1: Well, and I think a lot of times we it's uncomfortable and uncertain to really to really um, listen to that kind of internal drive. Mm-hmm. It's a little easier just to, to follow a model that somebody else has done. And so that model could be, you know, building a company. It could be whatever that career path you're supposed to go on. And I think it's okay to do that stuff. I think that though that you need to be yourself and even in that situation of if there are things that you feel like are right or wrong in front of you, you need to speak up about it. You need to, you know, you need to be who you are. And I think a lot of people are trying to be who they're supposed to be.
0: Sure. Because, they, yeah. you
1: know, the world around them kind of pushes them into that box. Right. And I think it's sad. I think that people are more unique than that. I think they're more unique than they're willing to um, to be every day. I think they buy into whatever, whatever is around them.
0: Sure. By the way, if you're just tuning in, we're talking with Luke Micey, and this is Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. And it's interesting because the whole theme of my show, we were talking earlier, Get the Funk Out, is – inspiring stories about people that have faced change and maybe they're really freaked out at first but it turns out to be the best thing that's ever happened to them Mm -hmm. and you kind of learn obviously about yourself and about growth and you know you you rethink you know your whole life and Mm -hmm. and uh, how to change and it moves you in a positive direction
1: yeah absolutely you
0: know and um so how did you decide that you were going to do what you're doing now
1: Well, I think that uh, this has all been kind of a transition um, the last four years. And the first part of the transition for me was just kind of identifying the strengths that I had um, and realizing, like, taking the time. I mean, I talked about this at the TEDx event of just taking the time and willing to live in that uncomfortable space where sometimes the silence is deafening, where, you know, you're you're not going to make any progress. You're not going to try to do something until you kind of figure out what exactly and who exactly you are. And that's an uncomfortable space. I mean, you're yeah. you're diving into places, <laughs> in, you know, in your life and in your person that are just sometimes uncomfortable to to learn about yourself. Sometimes you have to be brutally honest with yourself, and so that's kind of where the transition started for me. Um, and in that time, I realized that my strengths are to activate other people. Uh, I have you know, an ability to communicate, and I have this kind of strength that's been identified as being significant. There's something in my life that says you have to do something significant, and it's the weight that I feel every day. And I wish m- more people were – I wish more people felt that weight because to me, like every day I feel like I'm, I'm, I have the ability to do something significant for someone else or in somebody else's life. And I wish people had that burden on them because I think people would would rise up a little more and do amazing things. And so – that's when it started for me and at that point I realized that just building a design company and, you know, making a living and maybe making lots of money or whatever, it just wasn't going to be enough for me. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I came to the realization that I, I don't want to get to the end of my life having been successful and done nothing significant with my life. and. At that point, I started searching for what that was going to be. And some of that was taking inventory of where I was at and realizing that I wasn't happy. I wasn't working on something that I love doing, even though I love working with some of my clients. It wasn't something that really was feeding that deep desire to be significant. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing I noticed at that time is because of the amount of working, I was just really unhealthy and out of shape. And so the last four years has been a time of trying to kind of restore a lot of that, um, restore a lot of my health and restore – uh, just kind of, you know, lately I've been thinking a lot about this of when I was younger, when I really started in this business, you have that, that zeal for figuring things out, Right. but you can get complacent or you get comfortable or whatever. I mean, you know, you have to make a living for your family, but you start to lose a little bit of that. And when I see my little kids, I have two boys and I see that in them mm-hmm. where they, they're, they're figuring things out and they're excited sure. about things. Sure. I want that again. Yeah. And that's what I feel like the last four years has been—is really discovering that in myself again. And part of it is was getting healthy for me. So,
0: what was going on with you? You're were, you were unhappy, so um, your are emotionally eating, or you're not? Exercising? Yeah, I was.
1: Um, I was, you know, typical young entrepreneur working too much mm-hmm. and um, was not exercising at all. Um, I was 340 pounds at that point. Wow, uh, which is about 125 pounds ago. Good and for so, you. Um, it's been a long journey, and I still have a ways to go. Um, thankfully a couple of years ago I discovered, uh, cycling, which is, I spend far yes. too much time on the bike. <laughs> uh, it's really the only thing that I want to do right now is ride my bike, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. So, uh, but I, I knew that if I was going to really do something significant, that part of it was getting healthy again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what I've been doing, uh, spending a lot of time the last few years. And then also just being able to, to slow down enough to see things differently, um, I think because I started so young as an entrepreneur and because I grew up in that type of environment with my dad working, you know, self-employed his whole life, I'm very driven to take things to a certain pace. But when you're working at that pace, you miss a lot of things. Yes, you do. You you end up doing things that you're not necessarily good at or necessarily passionate about because you're just traveling at such a pace you don't notice it and you end up giving up things in your life that – Quite frankly, aren't worth giving up.
0: And I think you lose touch with the people that mean a lot to you. Yeah, you yeah. know.
1: And I, you know, I would say I've 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 said this um, recently. The last couple of years, with what's been going on in this country with economic things and all that, I think if there is a silver lining in a lot of it is people have gotten back in touch with what's important to them, and that for us yes. as a country is very good. Yes, um, because things had just gotten out of control. I mean, the expectations on the amount of money that should be made on investments or whatever just got out of control right. and people right. kind of lost touch and they started doing things that are not good and so i think that if anything it's it's forced people to kind of get back to the core of who who we are as people
0: well people got incredibly materialistic right and uh, and then things hit the bottom and then you got the people walking the streets of manhattan with billboard signs hire me right. you know and they have mbas right. and they can't find a job right you know
1: but they've probably leaned into their friends and leaned into their family. And, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of people that I, I, I think in the, in the long term, it will be very good for people of what's happened, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, as much as it's not fun. Nobody likes it. I mean, any sort of drastic change like that's not fun, but it's how we grow and get better.
0: Yeah, so, I, I agree. I mean, really, you find out who you are mm-hmm. it may, in a painful way, right. you know, in a, in a growth way. But you find out really who you are, uh, what makes you tick. Mm -hmm. You know, and what's good for you, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Tell me about what you're doing now as far as uh, this whole nonprofit.
1: So uh, about a year and a half ago, through some mutual friends, I got introduced to a uh, nonprofit. There was a friend of mine, Mark, who was starting this. And we make a product um, called RUTF, which is ready-to-use therapeutic food. And it's basically peanut butter, milk, and a vitamin in a packet. I have a packet here. I see. And um what it okay. is is it's a it's a therapeutic food so it's similar to it's issued similar to a medicine or a supplement okay. and it's for kids that are um, typically three years or below so very young uh, age kids and these kids are around the world very poor areas Africa India uh, parts of China parts of South America and for whatever reason there's there's um, all types of different causes whether it be economic or drought or severe famine or whatever but they've these kids have ended up in a place where They're severely malnourished, and they're at the point where even if they have access to local food, um, that's probably not going to get them over the hump and Mm -hmm. bring them back to health. And so they do a simple field test where they measure the upper circumference of of the child's arm, and based on the size of that, um, they will uh, give the mom a box of this product. And it's amazing what happens. These kids go from sometimes non-responsive to happy, chubby little kids uh, within six weeks. Unbelievable. And uh, really the, the milk, um, the powdered milk that's in there and the vitamins is what they need. The peanut butter just serves as a delivery agent. It mm-hmm. allows the product to be stable and a product... Um, So we make the product. We have a a factory in Georgia um, that was built last year. So this is relatively new. It's a new startup. And um, UNICEF right now is uh, probably the number one buyer of the product. But we have a lot of other organizations that are interested in buying the product. And our goal right now is simply to make the product and sell it to these organizations. Um, But as a nonprofit, even though we have a product and we're selling the product, as a nonprofit, our mission is to save the kids, and so we're doing it in a sense of we're trying to deliver this at the lowest cost possible, the most efficient possible, and as a nonprofit, we have some advantages there of being able to do things of you know getting product donated and soliciting donations, and so uh, my role um, really is to just tell this amazing story, uh, and there's a couple different kind of ways that I tell the story. If it's a business person, I tell this amazing business story of business people that have gotten involved and said, you know, we can make a difference in the world by starting this um, product. Uh, and then for the general public, it's, you know, there's, there's little kids that are dying. I mean, they, there's um, the statistics vary based on the report, but we're talking upwards of 4 million kids a year Ugh. that are dying of something that we have a product that helps that sure. and saves that. And it was, it was one of those things where I, I, I'd heard about them doing this and kind of saw the momentum building. And even then I still wasn't ready to get involved. I told this story at TED and I was sitting at home one night and my six-year-old, Andrew, uh, wanted to taste it. And so we opened the product and they had asked me a couple times if I would be willing to get involved and help him kind of tell the story and do the marketing for it. And I saw him eating the product and at that point something changed for me. And I realized that, you know, in this country – As bad as things have been, and, you know, I'm not denying that there's hunger and homelessness and things in this country, and I believe we should do things about that. But if something were to happen to me or my entire family, someone would take care of him. Mm -hmm. You know, he may miss a meal and be hungry, but he wouldn't starve to death. And yet there are places in the world where kids are dying at a rapid rate because of starvation. They have no options. And when I saw him eating the product, at that point I realized I couldn't ignore it. It was kind of like the speaking thing. You know, there's only so many times that you can just say no I don't want to I don't want to address that I don't mm-hmm. want to deal with that mm-hmm. and I was just at that point where I said I'm I'm willing to do whatever to get involved in this and so
0: So what happened? Excuse me. You someone approached you with this and you were like, "Hmm, well, let me think about it?"
1: Uh it we had kind of had conversations back and forth about mm-hmm. me being be, being involved. One of my good friends who was a client for a number of years, he um has now since actually moved out to Charlotte where the offices are to work for them full time and he had asked me if I wanted to get involved and I've I've Done some nonprofit work in my career. Yeah. Um, always been involved in something, but never to the point where I'm willing to kind of walk away from even the stuff I've been working on to work with this. So, um, so that's the transition I'm in right now. We're trying to figure out what exactly that looks like. I mean, it's a typical nonprofit. We don't have lots of money to, sure. you know, and so, um, but we do have a factory that was built, uh, state of the art. Um, somebody donated money. We have money to make product. And uh, we're ready to start serving that product up this year.
0: Nice. And
1: nice.
0: – um, You know, I think now that you're a dad, Luke, things change, right? Right. Your whole mindset, you, right. you, it's less about us and more mm-hmm. about our family and our loved you ones. You just see a
1: – you see world through a different set of lenses. Right. You know, you see the things – I mean, part of me getting healthy was I realized that I at 340 pounds in the direction I was headed, I wasn't going to live very long. Yeah. And I wasn't going to see my kids grow up. Right. You know, I wasn't going to get to see my grandkids maybe – and it's hard to explain to somebody who doesn't have kids, but when you have that realization, you're willing to do anything. Yeah,
0: it's a reality slap. Yeah, <laughs> and it,
1: you know it's the same thing with working with Manna now. For me, is I I want to leave my kids with kind of this perspective on helping the world, and the best way for me to do that is to lead by example. I mean, my son uh, the other night came home, and I woke up in the morning, and there was a there was a cup of money sitting on the um, oh. on the dresser, and it said in his you know first grade handwriting that this is for the kids of Mana. Oh. And he had done he had done him and my uh, younger son had done a break break dancing demonstration at the grandparents' house the night before with a tip jar out to raise money for oh, Mana. Kidding me? And <laughs> you know I I can give him a place to live. I can buy him stuff. Right. But leaving him with that is going to change the world. You've
0: made a huge impression on him. Yeah. You know, without even trying.
1: Without even trying. Yeah,
0: you've made a huge impression. I mean, he's probably going to school and talking about you. Yeah. I mean, you're yeah. a superhero dude. So you know? And that's really. that's what's important to me. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Now do you miss your other life, your design life and No, your- I mean it's
1: still what I do every day. You do. Um okay. yeah, so it's still what I do. I'm I'm still in that weird spot of transition where I have I have a handful of clients that I work with. Um it's harder now because I feel like I have to, even with the client side, I have to find clients that I'm excited about what they're doing Sure. because I'm just driven now to really make a difference. And so I get, I get excited about working with clients that have kind of that same perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I will probably always do some level of client work, um, you know, a handful of clients maybe while I'm working on mana. I don't know. I mean, it's it's that period of transition that I'm not sure how the mana thing going to play out. Yeah. I know that it's all I think about and all I talk about. That's great right now. And so figuring out how to work on that, I've also got some other ideas for other things that I want to start. Um, and so I, I think but there, I think there will always be a part of me that has a connection to some clients in the design world. Now whether I pursue more clients in that space, I don't know yet.
0: But it sounds like you found more meaning in the work you were doing originally. Oh absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well and what's what's amazing is I, I really feel like even in that space that I'm helping people. Nice. I'm helping a business person, you know, may, even by just sharing some of my story of, hey, you know what, you need to pay attention to your health or you need to, mm-hmm. you know, um, pay attention to what's important to you and your employees and things like that. I to me that's how I've always approached marketing is is I believe that every company has a unique DNA, and because there's unique people involved, it's not possible for them not to have some sort of unique DNA. Because you've got individuals that we're all different and we're all made different and wired different, and then you mix all those people together in a company, and it's going to produce something. And so, marketing for me has always been about taking that unique, unique DNA and bringing it to light. So, if you look at a lot of companies, you you get into the the grain of a company and you get to know them and you get to know what's important to them and they're excited about and you talk to their best customers and they have amazing things to say about this company. And then you go look at their marketing materials and it says nothing like that. Their marketing materials are written based on what they saw a competitor doing. Mm -hmm. They're based on, and it's, it's because people aren't willing to take that risk of being themselves. Yes. Instead, they just kind of put themselves in that same box. And so I've always approached design and marketing that way. Sure. I always ask why. Why are we doing this? What's your why? Why, you know, why do clients get excited about working with you? And I've had some great success with clients in helping them kind of put their messaging around what's unique about them because yes. a lot of times that's the first place I go. I look at their communications and it doesn't convey anything about the culture of the company.
0: Sure. So, some of it's so dry, you know. It's right. It's just stiff it's safe. and dry and safe, safe. and you know, mumbo jumbo and right. you know it's
1: safe and that and people people have an issue with taking risks and you know it's I understand I have an issue with taking risks sometimes it's yeah. scary
0: but I got to say that listening to you if I were a client you are very real now mm. because you have these different perspectives right. and uh, I mean I didn't know you before obviously but um, you're not just after you know making top dollar on, from mm. a client you're coming to them with a new perspective and you're much more real and genuine and I'm sure they get that from you.
1: And it was, I I feel like for me, it was always there. I just never brought it to the surface. So there was always something nagging me about, like, if I would take a job that I wasn't excited about or I'd work on something that I wasn't real excited about or maybe I had to execute something for a client that, you know, I didn't feel like was the right direction. There was something about that that always just ate at me and I never understood why. Mm -hmm. And now it's because I, I have to do things that are significant.
0: Well, I think also as we get older, I, I notice I'm more honest with people too. Like, I'll have someone call me about a prospective, uh, you know, project, and I'll mm-hmm. be in the car with my kids. Let's say, you know, I'm driving back. Um, it was like quarter to five last week, and they're like, is this a bad time? I said, actually, I'm driving home with my kids. I mean, I'm uh, more honest, right. and I'm real, and I think people really respect that now, you know, because. Right.
1: It's I, almost like we revert back to being children again, where we're more honest, yes. more creative. It's like there's this middle period of our life where. Things just get safe, and and I I think part of it is because our responsibilities change. But somehow, as we get older, a lot of us just get fed up with it, and then we start to revert back to, you know, what I I just want to say things like it is, and yes, yeah. So.
0: And I think we're, we're having kids. I know I've become very goofy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, super silly, super right. goofy, and I don't care if I look like an idiot right. sometimes,
1: right? Because I'm not trying to impress everybody else, right?
0: And yeah. I think that if you're willing to just put yourself out there. In a childlike way, people will respect that and say, "Wow, oh, she's an interesting person or, you know, I never knew that side of him.
1: And speaking for me, I've always felt like I want to say the things that everybody's already thinking. Mm-hmm. These, you know, yeah. when I talk, it's these are things that are already nagging at everybody. I know because they're nagging at me. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to be on stage whenever I speak and say those things. And I, I really don't care because I'm not trying to build – I don't feel like I'm trying to build a speaking career or trying to make my living doing that. So I don't mind getting up on stage and taking that risk. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me. That's great.
0: That's great. We're going to take a short break. We've been talking with Luke Micey and we will be back after these brief announcements. I'm Janine and you're listening to get the funk out.
1: The opinions and views expressed on this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC board of regents. For more information about the show or other programs on KUCI, please log on to KUCI.org for the latest program schedule.
0: Mommy, I can't sleep. How about a glass of milk? That's gross. Well, count sheep or something. Mommy, you can do better than that. Well, do you have any other ideas? Oh, I know. I can listen to KUCI. 88.9. Cool. That's exactly what I'm doing. Friend us on Facebook at KUCI-FM and follow us on Twitter at KUCI-FM. Hey, hey, we're back with Luke Micey and you're listening to Get the Funk Out. So, Luke, you were talking about transition earlier, and uh, I want to talk about more about that, maybe, you know, advice you might be able to give to people who are facing similar transition or...
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think you know. I talked about this at, at the TEDx event. I think the first thing that you have to be willing to do is is kind of take pause, and whatever that looks like for you, whether it's taking a day off or um, whatever whatever it means to to step away from kind of the direction you are heading, and really kind of decide what do you want, where are you going to be in five years? Mm-hmm. It's a question I think that people hear about, and maybe they've heard other people say, you know, taking pause and figuring out where you're going to be, but truly stepping away and whatever that pause looks like. Sometimes, you know, for me, that pause turned into three or four months of really deep soul searching. And, and, you know, it's, it was painful. I mean, we lived off our savings during that time. I didn't bill a lot. I didn't work on a lot of client stuff, but I knew that, if I didn't change the direction of where my life was headed, that two or three years from now, I would be in the same spot and I would be having the same conversation with myself. Sure. And so I think when you're in that transition, you really need to kind of step away and um, and figure out what it you is is you're, you're looking for. And sometimes that transition might be. Kind of drawn out for a few years, and you know you have to be patient with it. You have to be patient in the fact that maybe a career change is going to take two or three years to execute, or maybe you know maybe you need to get up and move to some other area in the country or whatever it is. Right. Those things you have to be able to kind of do that in order to change the trajectory of where you're heading. Um, the other thing is, I think being honest with yourself and 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 being honest with other people. One of the I'm having tomorrow um, my advisor board, uh, which is something I started about three years ago, and I have a handful of guys that I meet with um, on a regular basis, and we talk about everything. I talk about my health, I talk about finances, we talk about business, and the idea is being willing to say, you know what, I don't have all this figured out, and I'm going to be transparent enough to say I need some help here. That's good. And, you know, these are guys that are wiser than me, they've they've all done well, and they, they I have a huge respect for them, and it takes a lot of kind of courage to step into that space and openly share where things are at and share about the things that you're struggling with and and asking for help. Um,
0: Why do you think you've become so courageous? Courageous.
1: That I think I've always had. You have? That I think I've always had. I have... I just have a desire to do things differently and I think um, I've always been... Maybe a little too transparent, <laughs> um, I think even growing up, my parents were always like, "Oh gosh, here he goes again, you know, and I, some of that's <laughs> my upbringing, you know, my dad's very similar that way. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know the apple didn't fall too far from the tree i think i I carry a lot of that, so i i also I also to me like I want to get better at this, whatever it is that's you good. know i want I, I know that I 'm here for something, and I want to fulfill that purpose and if that means being uncomfortable then then it means being uncomfortable i mean that's how i approach it's cycling good. you know i have i don't have the the physique of a professional cyclist but i feel like i have the heart and the drive of a that's professional all cyclist that's all you need. and and that's yeah. something you unfortunately can't learn it's just something that a lot of people have or mm-hmm. certain people have and i'm the same way with riding i mean i don't see myself as this kind out of out-of-shape guy trying to ride a bike that I've only been riding for two years, I see myself as, oh, maybe I'll start racing next year. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you <know>? So what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what? What do you care what people think? You know, I don't. You, know, you
0: have to have that attitude. I do. I wish more women would have that attitude. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know do, do these bike shorts make my butt look too big kind of thing? It's <laughs> it, like, shh, whatever. I'm not <laughs> out here for them. I'm no. out there for me. Right. So, exactly.
1: Um, so I think I think being willing to step into that time of transition, even though you're not sure what – what it means, and and really figuring out where do you want to go, where, where do you want to be, and what is that thing that's nagging you, mm-hmm. and what is the thing that you just, it seems to, there's a cycle usually with us where it's one or two years where we find ourselves back in that same spot where something's nagging us, and and don't let kind of what our world defines as success be the thing that deters you from that, because I think that, yeah, certainly making the decisions I've made haven't benefited me financially, but I can't say that that's the only thing we should measure by. I think there's other things that we need to measure by, and um, being able to make again goes back to courage. Being able to make those decisions towards that is important.
0: It's great. You're a great role model for your kids. By Thank way. you. You know, do you do you have like this big whiteboard at home? You write down goals, short term, long term. I use everything in your brain.
1: Um, I have a sketchbook that I brought in. Oh, okay. um, and so this is uh, this is kind of just client stuff and. All kinds of stuff. I spend... Um, you
0: are very visual. I've seen yes. diagrams and yes. doodles. And there's doodles. And there's diagrams. diagrams. Can I see that? Yeah. I won't, you know, reveal anything. Yeah, that's don't okay. Worry. <laughs> I, I'm actually very visual as well. And I remember in high school, I love this, um, having to kind of make little diagrams, almost like flow charts of uh, biology class. I just couldn't get my brain around what they were talking about. Just having to visualize everything.
1: Right. Well, and I'm constantly writing down um, those ideas and whatever they are, regardless of where I think they fit. Because I think um, one of the things about inspiration is you have to capture it when it happens. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you'll lose it. And so – I, I've been known to pull over on the side of the road on my bike and voice record things into my phone that I was thinking about. Right. Um, as far as the goal stuff, I you know I'm really good about getting those goals on paper. What I've always struggled with is the action on those goals, sure. and that's why I set the advisor board up. That's having smart. having a, a meeting once a quarter where you have to prepare, and you know I mean we're going to talk about my 2012 tomorrow. And we're going to talk about the four things that are, you know, I'm excited about this year, and whatever those are, we're going to talk about the business model and my options as far as staying in business, going to work for the nonprofit, whatever mm-hmm. it looks like. Um, those are all things that are going to be on the table for discussion. Tomorrow. Now, do
0: they bounce off ideas on you as well? Is it or is it just their your own advisory board? They're my own advisory that's board. That's it. Yeah. You, you select. You handpicked these guys. Um, and
1: yeah, I, hand, I handpicked them. I've changed the, the board a couple times, um, but there's a couple guys that have stayed on it the whole time, and uh, you know the thing about—I really feel like I'm here to help other people, mm-hmm. and so I'm—I'm kind of driven by this bigger mission of helping people. And so I don't feel bad asking them to speak into my life because it's not about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the same way that I don't feel bad asking somebody to get maybe get involved in mana, or I don't feel bad asking. Uh, to go speak somewhere because it's not about me. It's about helping people. And I know that I have abilities and strengths and that doesn't come from a place of arrogance. It comes from a place of, I know that I have some things to offer the world. And, um, and it's the same thing with the board. I don't feel bad asking them because I'm not asking them for me. It's not for my own success or anything like that. It's for, I want to be in a better position to help people. Nice. So, when you, nice. I think when you find, and that, that was that time of transition or that time of uh, taking pause for me was finding that purpose um, and really defining who I was and what was exciting to me. And that thing that is so deep inside of me that I can't ignore it was this idea of helping people in no matter what I did. And, and I, I had glimpses of it in my career where there were certain clients that I was really excited about and it was because I was helping them. Mm-hmm. There were there were things that I was able to do for them that helped their company succeed or helped them have a new outlook on life. And I wasn't sure why I was more excited about them than other certain clients, even mm-hmm. though they were all great people. Yes. But there were just certain ones that I connected with. And when I finally figured that out, that that was kind of my deep mission, mm-hmm. everything now has been about that. Beautiful. And that's why asking someone to be on my board or... Um, kind of you know pour into me the things that they've learned it's not about me it's about helping people you so. know
0: what's great your advisory board makes you accountable I mean yeah. they come up with different goals and accountability goals. is
1: gnarly I yeah. mean the whole reason that I started getting in shape I one of the guys that was on my board was Troy and he was leaving for a year, and so he, it was kind of a – we went out to dinner with the board, and my board meeting was at dinner. And um, it was kind of just to thank him for being on for the year that he was on and also kind of say goodbye um, with the board. And he had found out that I was – I think I was 31, mm-hmm. um, 35 now, uh, that I'd, I'd never had a physical I'd never gone into a doctor for a physical and it's a guy thing and it's you know not
0: only a guy thing, you just admitted your age, most women would be like, Well, I'm
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm thirty five, so and but I had never had a physical. Okay. And so he stopped the meeting and said, We're not moving forward until you you go get a physical. for him. And I'm thinking, Well, this is not a board issue. You know, we're talking about business stuff. No, but it's and his comment back was we can't help you achieve those goals that you want if you get sick. Right. And that's so right. that was the beginning of all this health stuff. The other mm-hmm. one of my other board members is, is the guy that got me into cycling. Look at that! And so I mean, these are guys that really believe in me, and they're huge fans of me. And again, it's not about me; it's about helping people. And so I know that I figure things out when I'm out riding my bike. I figure things out because I'm getting healthier, and it, I'm able to help more people that way. Mm-hmm. And so that's where you know doing things is not a, from a place of arrogance; it's from a place of necessity to fill my kind of my life's mission
0: what made you come up with the idea of you needed an advisory board though Did, had you known somebody, somebody else? forced it on me <laughs> really <laughs> yeah
1: one of the same guy that got me into cycling oh he he saw me always getting discouraged So one of the things that I have is I'm my my own worst critic. I beat myself up constantly. And so we'd have these conversations, and he was kind of a mentor to me. Um, And so he said, you know, I think you need an advisor board. I think you need a a group of people that can just kind of hold you accountable but really just encourage you to say you're going the right direction. Nice. And so he helped me kind of just pick a few people, and that's how it started. That is the best idea. More people should have that. Yeah. And, you know, to his credit, too, I think more people should – when they hit a certain age or maybe even as a young person, they should feel like they can step into another younger person's life and say that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the reason that I got to speak at TEDx was because of a kid that I'm mentoring. And it was me saying, and it was always modeled to me. My dad always has mentors and I've grown up always having those relationships. But, it's one thing for a younger person to ask for a mentorship, but it's another thing for somebody older and wiser to say, "You know what? I really believe in you and I want to help you with this." Nice. And I think we as we get older, um, we have a a requirement that we should be doing that. That's been lost I think in our generation. You know, you think of a a stonemason or a, you know, something in Italy where you know, the guy was a mason or maybe a sculptor, and he always had an apprentice. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just the way things were done. That's how things were passed down generation to generation. Right. But because of the way technology and everything has made information so readily available, it doesn't feel like we need that anymore. And it's not the training that's missing because we are probably smarter now than we've ever been. We have had ac- we have access to information more right. than we ever have. It's just that time together and Um, kind of that wise voice into your life to say no you should be going this way or that Mm -hmm. way and for me i that's one of the things that i even put into these younger kids that i'm mentoring that i'm trying to change their dna to think that way of you know what you have a responsibility you have a responsibility as you get a little bit older and have some success to start mentoring younger people
0: well you know what's nice too um because we're so focused on all the social media and Twitter, and we're all, you know, we don't pick up the phone and call people. We don't send thank you notes. You're doing face-to-face. You're getting together with these people where you know, it's, to me, it's not as meaningful and empowering if they're sending you an email saying, hey, Luke, you know, I think you should go ride your bike. Well, and I,
1: the... the the reason that I meet with them also as a board is I have an ability to talk my way out of anything. It drives my wife crazy. <laughs> I mean, I can seriously, any situation, I can justify why I did what I did. Uh, it's
0: raining. I'm not going to go for a bike ride. No exactly.
1: <laughs> I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. Yeah. But when I'm in the room with four or five mm-hmm. people that I respect, there's no backing out of anything. That's it's good. uncomfortable. That's and correct. I know that I need to be in that situation yeah. if I want to advance my cause. Yeah. So
0: no, That's great. Yeah. Now, have you traveled to some of these countries where you're? Um, I haven't, I have Is that something you'd like to do?
1: Um, I think so. I think uh, you know. I don't feel like I need to in order to be excited about what I'm doing right, or or right. driven by it because I just think it's. I think Bono said it best when he talked about it being an injustice. It's an injustice in the world when when a child dies that way or mm-hmm. the things that are happening. Um, it's beyond poverty. It's actually an injustice, and um, so I don't feel like I need to in order to be excited about. It, though I do want to. I think mm-hmm. um, it would certainly give me a better frame of reference. Um, so probably in the next couple of years.
0: Nice. Nice. And where do you see this all going? Where would you like to see it all going?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, I, in getting together with my board tomorrow, I've, I've kind of drawn out these diagrams of what I think my options are as far as career. And so when I'm, when I'm looking at the, the makeup of what I'm doing professionally or what I'm involved in, I start drawing out these diagrams of part of it's MANA, maybe a couple clients, maybe I do a little bit of speaking, and I'd like to start something else this year. And so I make that diagram, and then I make a diagram of, okay, maybe I'm not working for MANA. What does business look like? But I had to step all the way back and say, what, what would be my ultimate job? And I drew a circle, and I put a line through it, and on one side I wrote, ride my bike, and on the other side I wrote, speak. And so I don't know if that'll happen ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. If but if you ask me, what my where is this all going? I would love to be able to get on stage and inspire people with my story and ride my bike. Nice. <laughs> and maybe the two go hand in hand. I am actually getting an opportunity to do a week of speaking and riding this year for a. There's a um, organization called Ride for World Health, and okay. they're connected to Mana. And that so, was my next question. Yeah, so why
0: couldn't you do something connected to Mana? There's you know? I have
1: ridden for Mana uh, at a at an event out in Charlotte. There's a the event that I'm doing is in April. We're riding from they're riding all the way across the country. So mm-hmm. they start in San Diego and go to Washington D.C. Um, I'm going to get to ride with them for a week. So I'm riding from San Diego to Las Vegas, and I'm going to speak a few times along the way. So Beautiful. I am getting my dream job for nice. at least one week this nice. year. Nice, and so we'll see. We'll see. I you know I think my story's still being written, and at some point I'd love to share that. Even just the weight loss and and that of finding. Um, something that I love doing, which is cycling. Even that's a great story.
0: You should do a, a video blog while you're cycling yeah, across the country. Yeah. And do you have a uh, YouTube page? Or I you have, have
1: just the one TEDx video. Do you? So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I should get on video. I've been thinking about doing uh, a little more of that this year. I just...
0: You should really, because you can talk about what you're you know thinking, going through during right. this whole bicycle right. journey. and And I talk
1: better than I write, so... Even though I do write, I I definitely talk better than I write, so I should get on video and talk about that stuff. Just little brief
0: clips, you know, two three minute little clips of your whole process of. Well, and I've got so
1: I've got an idea for a um, cycling apparel line that's centered around causes that I want to start this year. Okay, and that could potentially, you know, who knows if it grew, I, I might actually be able to get in a situation where I'm doing more speaking and writing.
0: It would be great if you had some kind of event, fundraiser, something, yeah. awareness event um, with somebody who's as passionate about it as you are. Right. You know. Well, that's really exciting. Now, do you have um, a website or anything you, or you pretty much just have your TED? I
1: dot um, com. So it's L-U-K-E-M-Y-S-S-E.com is my blog and okay. you can connect with me there. Um, that kind of funnels everybody all the different directions. There's a link to Mana there, so you can check out Mana, and then I have my design company link from there as well. And so I try to I try to write a couple times a month. I'm not fanatical about it. Sometimes I go in spurts where I'll write a whole bunch of stuff and post often, and then sometimes I don't post very much at all. But that's probably the best place for people to connect with me.
0: You're doing a lot of amazing things. I mean, don't beat yourself up. You know, I know it's a transition is scary and tough, mm-hmm. and you're trying to figure it out, but. You're you're dealing with your health. You're you're on your bike now. You're passionate about bike riding, whereas right. before you were you know you weren't even doing anything, right?
1: I wasn't doing anything. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean the guy that got me into cycling, he he can't keep up with me anymore, and I always <laughs> tell him that he's the one that created this monster. So
0: that is so funny. <laughs> I think about that. when
1: I started riding two years ago, and I, I mean I a twenty mile ride was a was a big big deal, and uh, now I consistently ride from Orange County to San Diego. I, I rode forty six hundred miles Did last you, year. Really? Yeah. I ride. I ride a few hundred miles a week.
0: By yourself, do you, do um,
1: both yeah. groups and and by myself. So
0: that is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, I don't. I put more miles on a bike last year than I did a car. And when I think fantastic. about driving to Costa Mesa, my car to Costa Mesa, it feels so far, and yet I'll get on my bike and ride to San Diego, 100 miles, and it doesn't even. That that's just normal incredible. to
0: me. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. Wow. Any last words for people who need a little kick in the butt and they're trying to get out of their own funk, get out of their own way?
1: I think, uh, I think start paying attention to that thing that's nagging you. I think there's something there. Um, and you know, it might not mean that it's the thing that you become financially successful doing or it might not mean that it's the thing that you contribute to the world. But there's something in you that needs to be fed. Mm-hmm. And if you, you can only ignore it for so long, you're, it's going to keep coming up. So I would say quit ignoring it and start small. Even if it just means if it's speaking, start speaking local. If it's whatever it is, um, start feeding that thing that you just can't ignore anymore.
0: Nice, nice. I know because things nag at you. I know I was dreaming about things in my life at different points about mm-hmm. things I wanted to do. And, and I'd wake up and be like, well, do it already. Right. Pay attention. Right.
1: We need less thinking and more doing.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's thank a you for session. having me. And uh, again, com, And uh, I'm going to have this recording on my blog for uh, if you want to share it with your friends and Great. family and all that. And best of luck with everything and keep you posted you. what's happening. Thank you. You've been listening to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. I'll be back next week at 9. Up next, Cure for the Blues.